This is Diversity of Thought with Zach McGough. No, the resistance is not working. For this week, I'm going to nail down the problem with the Democratic Party. So in a sense, trigger warning. Keep in mind that as someone who is left-leaning, my problems with the GOP will be coming very soon in a comprehensive podcast episode. My intention is to draw your attention to the bads of each party before we can start talking about what's good in each one. We need to reach beyond a binary train of thought. You will not fit with one party entirely. You need to be able to understand what you don't like about your party and what you don't like about the other party. You need to understand the other side so you can counter it or alter your viewpoint. This is very important if you're trying to have some influence on people of the other side. While the majority of my audience are young students, I think we need to be open-minded and give the other side whatever it might be, our ears and our minds, to understand where they're coming from. You do not have to agree or like it. You just have to acknowledge that exists and why it exists. If you disagree with everything I say, great, that's fine. Let's have a great conversation about that. That's the whole point of this podcast. So back to my point, the resistance isn't working, and your Facebook rants are not changing the country. We've got Facebook sites like Occupy Democrats, which PolitiFact actually rates with the lowest honesty rating. Um, And these sites feel the need to constantly post memes to make Democrats feel morally superior instead of actually wanting to fix the problem. I am not ignoring the Republican sites. I'm just going to address that on a different podcast. Calling Trump supporters stupid is not the solution. Saying Republicans are morons and old white men is not going to cut it. Do you want proof? Well, the Democrats lost everything. They lost the governorships, the Senate, the House, and the presidency. The media was in the tank for Hillary Clinton, and she blew it. Just search up Chris Como CNN, where he admits that CNN is, quote, doing everything it can to promote her campaign. How does anyone lose to the worst candidate in history, Donald J. Trump? He's the worst candidate. How do you lose to this guy? Two words that begin with an E, elitism and entitlement. Only a tiny amount of people voted for Trump because of what he was saying, the horrible stuff. This was a total jab at the left for being elitist, and it's the biggest slap to the face since your ex-girlfriend. This was a huge deal. And here's my philosophy as to why the Democrats lost and how Democrats should be resisting. That is, if they actually really do care about the people in America and want to create results benefiting everyone, as Hillary said so many times. I am part of the resistance movement. I believe in free speech and want to voice my concerns with this presidency, too. But we need to be smart if we want to be effective and actually start winning. I want the Democrats to start winning big in 2018. I want them to start winning. That's why I'm doing this. If your end goal is to lodge the best comeback at a conservative, you do you. But my whole point of this is to figure out what we need to be doing to be smart and start winning again because we lost big time. Two major events happened that the Democrats are congratulating the resistance on, and I want to kind of explore each one. The first, the failure that was Trump care. Yes, the Republicans sat around for eight years complaining about Obama's birthplace and the religion and his religion and the horror that was Obamacare and didn't quite think to what the alternative was. They didn't spend any time over these eight years creating something better, in their opinion. My theory is that they didn't think they'd actually win 2016. So what do they do? They spent two weeks crafting a health care bill that doesn't even pass um, both houses, or both parts of Congress, even though that they have the majority in both of them. First off, 
No, being against Obamacare does not make you a hum evil human being that doesn't care about people. That's the biggest thing. There are three main issues with Obamacare that people are upset with. The first is that premiums are rising like crazy. That's a huge deal. The second is that the government is forcing everyone to have health insurance. People who are more on the libertarian front and the conservative front are, are concerned that the government is imposing this on everyone. Three, Obamacare is written by elitist Democrats with the most obscure language so that no one can actually comprehend it. If you've tried to look at this, I, I encourage you to look up online Obamacare PDF. It is the most obscure and vague language ever. Nancy Pelosi, who I actually blame for making the Obama administration hated by Republicans, when they had a filibuster-proof Congress, meaning they had a bigger uh, majority in both um, branches of Congress than the Republicans do now, Nancy Pelosi, who was the Speaker of the House, said, we need to pass Obamacare to see what's in it. This, uh, this crazy statement and the complete bulldozing Democrats did on Republicans made them berserk. She ruined it. That's why they lost two years later and they lost their majorities. So Trump care didn't pass, and this is not because of the resistance. Screaming at Republicans in a mob is not what happened. That's not the solution. Here's what actually happened. The most conservative wing of the Republicans, the Freedom Caucus, actually felt the bill was too liberal and too similar to Obamacare. Instead of passing the bill, which is probably the most liberal option in the next four years, the Democrats said Republicans hate sick people, and this is, was a win for the Democrats. In my opinion, I think they should have passed this because something far worse and far more right-leaning is coming. But we'll see. Republicans will be voting on Part 2 coming up, and we'll see if that actually passes. Many people believe Obamacare will be the law of the land because Republicans have an identity crisis within their party and can't come together as the right, which brings me to the second myth of the resistance. But first, I also want to explain. Uh, GOP Senator Lindsey Graham said in an interview a while back that Republicans need to reach out to Democrats for a health care plan they can work on together, and I couldn't agree more. Democrats created Obamacare. They know what works and what doesn't work. There was a flaw with the website when Obamacare first launched. They need to work together because we've got, you know, healthcare can't be a partisan issue. We need to come together and agree on things. Obamacare isn't perfect. Trump care is far from perfect. We need to come together. Two, why can't the Democrats ever thank Republicans when they compromise on a huge budget deal? I don't think Democrats realize how crazy of a budget deal Republicans just passed in the House. Democrats in Congress love to smear all their opponents' faces whenever they win something, furthering this polarization. For those who saw the stream of Facebook posts about Trump cutting all federal funding for the arts or destroying the EPA, none of that happened because Republicans, in a bipartisan budget deal in the House, passed a budget more liberal than Obama. They increased spending and kept funding for Obamacare and Planned Parenthood till September 27. We'll see what happens in the Senate when they vote on it this um, these next coming days. Uh, what I'd love to see is Democrats um, condition Republicans. This is a psychological operant conditioning. It's where we reinforce or we punish um, a side to get them to learn something. Here's what I think the Democrats should do. Anytime Republicans compromise on something and do something left-leaning, we need to thank them and give them a huge shout-out every time they do something so they're more willing to compromise again. So these mobs of people in the streets – uh, you know, they're always protesting Trump and the Republicans need to go on the streets and thank Republicans for compromising and continue um, and continuing funding for aspects of government, not to go around saying that this is a win for the resistance. That is going to have a huge drawback. No person on Facebook 
You did not influence the government. These Facebook posts, no, that was not you. This was the Republicans compromising on a budget deal that was very liberal. People need to understand that, and people need to be happy if they're Democrats with what the Republicans did. Now, Republicans probably should be upset with what the GOP did in the House because this is crazy after what Trump has been saying that he wants to cut. It's a little interesting. All right, back to how Democrats can resist. Here are my, let's see, I've got nine top tips for how Democrats can resist. One, calling your local congressman or congresswoman, Democrat or Republican, and check their voting record. You need to contact the people who are representing you and figuring out what they're doing, even if you are on the same party as them. You need to know that they're doing their job and you need to research. That's This is on you. This is how politicians keep on winning because their voter, um, their voters don't, you know, keep track of them so they just post on facebook and make it seem like they're doing something check their actual records two voting is the biggest form of resistance that's how trump won trump supporters wanted to resist everything that was the left elitism and entitlement so they voted and that's how they won no our country is not based on the popular vote i get what people are saying how she won the majority of americans and that's fine but that's not how elections are won in the united states we are a representative democracy, not a direct democracy. You need to learn how to win with what system we have. It just makes sense. Three, nonviolent protests on the streets marching. That's how we need to protest. We get a great big sign with a nice pun, speak together, lock arms, protest. That's great. But we don't need riots. We don't need smashing Starbucks. We don't need burning things. It's not UC Berkeley. We need something civilized that looks like we care about what we're speaking about. I just saw pictures of the after effect of the um, climate march this past weekend, and there's trash all over the street. Really? You're protesting climate change and you're leaving all your garbage behind on the streets in New York City? We need to be consistent with what, with what we believe, and we need, to be, we need to be civil and we need to be respectful in our protest. Four, uh, we need to start talking with the other side. Um, this, is what, this is what Trump did. Trump went on CNN where they all hate him there. He went on NBC. He went on uh, CBS. He went on everything. He went on all the liberal news stations. Hillary never went on Fox. She sent her, uh, you know, her uh, campaign manager, she sent him on Fox a couple times, and then he just complained that they were being biased, which, you know, news organizations are biased. Let's just face the facts. That's fine. But, you know, Trump, Trump was part of those tough interviews, and that's why he avoided questions and answers, and there's a problem with that. But he, he actually reached out to the other side while he bashed them. So he's not really a good example of that, but whatever. Uh, five, not flipping out about Trump. We need to ignore him. He is only going to get worse if we flip out at everything he does. His base always wins when liberals go on social media and make a huge fit about something he said. We know who Trump is. We didn't vote for him. We don't like him. That's fine. But we don't need to criticize everything he does because we know, you know, let's focus on the important things. Six, resist Trump by doing the opposite of Trump. That is my big point. We need to be kind. We need to be civil. We need to research our arguments and understand the reality behind sound bites. Democrats are really good at this. They're good at having a sound bite and then, uh, you know, and can, you know, hiding what's actually underneath that message. So we need to do our research. We need to do our research and we need to win arguments based on facts. Uh, we need to start listening to others. We need to volunteer at local organizations. You know, if you care a lot about the homeless population, serve at a local soup kitchen. 
we need to donate our time and our money to good causes. This is how we combat against Trump. We do things that are not Trump-like by screaming at him and calling him names after he calls people names. You're only doing the same thing that he's doing. That, that's it. We are acting like Trump when we act like Trump. Seven, focus on the Democratic platform. Hillary, while she was right about her critique on Trump, did not focus on what she was going to do for Americans. This was a big flaw. There was no plan. There was no, I know she came out with a book and it just said the normal things. We need to fix the economy, invest in the middle class, because this all sounds great, but there was no, there was no plan. To be fair, Trump didn't really have a plan either. Uh, but he but he told the American people what he was going to do for them. He said, I will give you jobs. I will give you jobs. I will give you jobs. He was speaking to them. Uh, her whole campaign was based on the fact I'm with her. You know, if, if she would have said she's with us, that would have been far more effective. The whole thing was that we were elevating her to a position to somehow help us. But it just doesn't make sense. I'm with her. Really? But but is she with us? It just doesn't make sense. We are not supporting her. She's we're electing her to support us. So it's just it's weird. Um, uh, to hear, you know, to hear Hillary speak, you needed money and a lot of it. When I tried to hear her speak in Balboa Park, I could not go because I'm not part of the club. I'm not an elite member of society. Now, Bernie came down and you can watch him for free. So he was, he was a far better candidate in my opinion, because, um, because he was accessible and he spoke to people. Democrats need to start going to red states and develop policies that actually produce results for the people who live there. Hear their concerns and develop actual tangible solutions. That's super important, and Trump did that very well. He went to blue states, and he, he gave small states that have felt like they've never had a voice in politics, he gave them a voice by being there. Now, whether or not he's actually going to listen to them, that's a different issue. But these citizens who for years have been you know, riled up against you know, things that they're angry about in the government never felt like anyone would listen to them until he came. It didn't matter who it was. It could have been Hillary, but she didn't go anywhere besides you know, tough blue states. Um, he went there and gave him a voice. Look at Flint, Michigan. They keep electing full Democratic councils, and the city has gone to shambles. And look at Detroit. Look at these places that are run fully by Democrats who you know, have all the great talking points and sound like they want to make a difference, but they're not. These cities are, are you know— we need to look at why are these cities going broke and why are these cities falling apart? You know, what, what platforms are working? Eight, we need to drop the censorship and drop the labeling. Berkeley is making the Democratic Party look horrible and only make Trump look stronger. Cut it out. Let everyone speak and either counter it or don't go. If people let Milo speak and only 10 people showed up, he would not have any influence. He gained attention and appraisal because people had violent mob protest and made him look good. You need to ignore him or you counter it and expose it. Focus on the, um, you know, the people that are doing good in your communities and try to get the media to focus on the influential people at the local level who are caring for others and doing service in the community. Here's how you get rid of ideology you don't like. You expose it and you counter it. Super easy. You put those people in the limelight and then you counter it with facts and a good argument. One of the best debate tactics is to always debate people publicly and in front of a ton of people because chances are the person you're debating will not back down. So your argument is not with – your argument is with that person, but your, your end goal isn't to convert that person. What you're trying to do is you're trying to expose the fallacies and faulty logic of them so that everyone watching will start to question and, and, and see your point of view. That's really effective. Nine. Don't buy into the generalizations and collectivism that both sides are guilty of. Both sides clump people based on race, sex, religion, political party, etc. Everyone is unique and a special being. We need to look at people as individuals. Don't clump people and don't stereotype. Talk to them. Both sides do this. 
no, science is not a partisan issue. Both sides pick and choose what they agree on. This is just something that they've made a, a partisan issue. It's really not. I need to clarify what I mean by the left. I'm using this term to draw attention to the leftist ideology and those in Congress. I by no means believe all Republicans or all Democrats are one way. I'm looking at the trends and the tactics each side uses. And I will address the Republican side you know, in, in another episode. It is a fact that Democrats frame all arguments so that if you disagree, it makes you a horrible person. Look at the recent bill um, back in 2015 about equal pay for women. The bill was titled something like Equal Pay for Women or something. The bill was framed so that anyone who voted against it looked like they didn't want women to be paid equally without actually looking at what the bill said inside of it. When you look inside the bill, you'll see a bunch of nonsense that doesn't actually address the enforcement of equal pay for equal work. And for your information, it's been illegal to pay women an unequal amount for an equal job since the 60s. The problem here is not that we need new legislation every few years. It's that we need enforcement. We need our president as the head of the executive branch to enforce our laws, not make more laws. That's Congress's job. Congress has done this in the 60s. The president and the executive branch needs to enforce it. But this goes back to framing. Be careful when you see politicians on both sides frame certain arguments in a way that makes you look like a horrible person if you disagree. Democrats are really good at this and very successful. This is their tactic. This is what I'm talking about when I'm talking about leftist tactics. Further evidence, just look. Anytime Obama was criticized, even by Democrats, for doubling the national deficit, the critique would always be, um, the person criticizing would always be labeled a racist because the logic is that if you don't like Obama's policies, it's because you don't like that Obama is an African-American. It's a huge logical fallacy. It's really, it sets it up for um, a lot of scare tactics and a lot of bully tactics. Anyways, that's the podcast for today. Up next will be a series of interviews with several students on all sides of the spectrum and then my autopsy of the current GOP and their slew of problems. Once we get through the negatives, we can start talking about the goods of both parties by looking at the results very soon. Till then, I'm Zach McGon. Thank you so much for your support. This show is your show, so feel free to email me at Zachary C. McGaw with a C in the middle, C is in Calvin, ZacharyCMagaw at gmail.com to schedule an interview. I want to hear your ideas and your thoughts. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Zach McGaw.